Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. SCP 4547. Exterminants. As I've said before, we've seen countless examples of Earth coming to a horrific and awful end at the hands of anomalies in the SCP universe. What we don't see quite as often, however, are examples where the Foundation comes across another timeline or planet that has ended and has to piece together what happened. SCP-4547 does not take place on Earth, but rather shows a ruined planet and devastated species, proving just how quickly things can get out of control. SCP-4547 is listed as a Polyon class, which generally just means that it cannot be contained in any way by the Foundation, so there's no point in trying. It also possesses one of the shortest containment procedures on the wiki, simply listing that interstellar exploration should avoid it. This is because SCP-4547 takes place in the Ad Astra Per Aspera canon, a timeline in which humanity abandons Earth after an anomalous disaster and takes to the stars instead, with the Foundation leading the way. This story takes place at a time prior to the abandonment of Earth, when the Foundation is still taking early steps on their journeys among the stars. SCP-4547 is a planet located approximately 15 light-years from our solar system, discovered by the Foundation in August of 2032. It was formerly the home planet of the Terranu, a sapient humanoid alien species prior to an FK-class or Broken Foundation scenario that caused their extinction. A broken foundation scenario is one in which an anomaly management group, such as the foundation, is either destroyed or otherwise fails in their goals, resulting in other disasters that wipe out the planet. The planet itself is not anomalous, but is now host to a large number of anomalous phenomena, making it an SCP in its own right. The Foundation had been receiving radio signals sent by the Terran U since 1942, and had managed to keep them secret from the public. These transmissions abruptly ceased in 1991, however, with no further word from them afterwards. Once the Foundation started venturing out from our solar system, they decided to check in on the Terran U to find out why they stopped transmitting, and to see if their planet could host humanity. The Terranu themselves are sapient, and have a humanoid body structure, and they had an organization similar to the Foundation known as the Tihonum, which likely translates to Protectorate. They were dedicated to the general focus of protecting Terranu society and life, including against dangerous anomalies. But unlike the Foundation, they did not keep the anomalous a secret from the general public, leading to higher integration of anomalies into their culture. 
Unfortunately, it was discovered quickly after arriving on the planet that things had gone awry, and there's now a bunch of different anomalies present on the planet that resulted in the extinction of the Terranu. The Foundation took some time to look into some of the different phenomena to determine what exactly happened, so we're given a short list of some of the world-ending anomalies. First was a dead hand system of a major Terranu world superpower, which was designed to ensure mutually assured destruction through nuclear weapons, in case the end of society was detected. During a transition between heads of state, this system malfunctioned and initiated nuclear war. The resulting war lasted approximately 5 hours, and by its conclusion over 10,000 nuclear weapons had been detonated, destroying most of the Tihonum bases and most major metropolitan areas. The exact functioning mechanics of this system are unknown, but it's believed to have functioned using a solid state drive with a demon embedded into it, because this is the SCP universe, set to monitor for specific parameters. These parameters were set too specific, and a minor change in government triggered the dead hand. This of course was the big one, that caused the destruction of the Tihonum and let loose all the other problems. The second problem came from a collection of organic nanites designed to improve the anatomy of the Terranu. Unfortunately, difficulties in implementing these improvements caused partial brain death, increased aggression, inhibition of social norms, and cannibalistic impulses. Or in other words, a zombie rage virus. Furthermore, the affected individuals are able to enter stasis indefinitely, negating the need to breathe or eat. The Tihonum had kept a small sample of these nanites on hand, which were of course released during the nuclear war, becoming airborne. As a result, 49% of the Terranu population became infected, meaning that there's an estimated 1 to 2 billion of these infected creatures remaining on the planet presently. It's also noted that these nanites are capable of infecting humans. Next we have a large glass model of the planet's solar system, which when not properly aligned would project a non-corporeal herbicidal field, destroying local plant matter. This field would expand based upon the amount of time spent unaligned, and while it was kept maintained by the Tihonum, that obviously stopped when this all went down. As a result, all of the plant life on the planet was rapidly killed off within three weeks, and although there are some remnants of the Tihonum that have tried to realign the machine, they've been unsuccessful. Fourth is a collection of seven humanoid entities standing 500 meters tall, bearing noted similarities to SCP-231, the seven females that were associated with the Children of the Scarlet King, most of which have given birth to increasingly horrible disasters. All seven of these entities had been in a dormant state prior to the world's end, and when the Tihonum saw that things were getting loose, they apparently decided to nuke them to neutralize them. Instead, they only served to awaken them. The seven entities identify themselves as the Kive Iveng Tun Karen, which translates roughly to 
the seven spawn of the Red Ruler. They took control of the remnants of Terran U society and granted a resistance to many of the anomalous phenomena on the planet to any Terran U that served them. At some point, all seven entities went to war with one another, with only one emerging victorious. One of the losers was infected with these zombie nanites, while the victor is one of the few remaining sapient life forms on the planet. Next is an intensely virulent mimetic cult centered around the number five. The exact origin of this cult is unknown, but similar organizations were observed by the Tihonum prior to the end of the world. It's believed that after another K-class scenario, these organizations heavily mutated into this current version. One of the seven spawn of the Red Ruler became infected by this cult, altering the details of its cult in order to follow the principles of this fifthest cult. The document mentions that there has been further research into this cult, but it's been expunged as a lethal infohazard, linking instead to the document on SCP-3125, the cosmic starfish, the god of fifthism, and the ultimate anti-meme. Finally, we have an apex-tier pluripotent entity, or some sort of deity in other words, that is inimical to atmospheric conditions on the planet. Somehow it became neutralized during the nuclear war, and immediately following this, weather conditions greatly changed, with violent and intense meteorological events being observed at a high frequency. This includes abnormally large storms, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, and spontaneously generated hurricanes. These phenomena have not abated in the time between the deity's neutralization and the present. To summarize that all then, we have a planet obliterated by nuclear war, most of the population converted to cannibalistic zombies, all of the plant matter erased, a couple of the children of the Scarlet King hanging around, one of which is also a zombie, a massive fifthest cult on the planet, and constant storming, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, and hurricanes. To say this planet is screwed is quite the understatement. Approximately 70% of the Terranu population immediately died during the nuclear war and subsequent events, with another 20% dying shortly after, thanks to the meteorological events. A large majority of these casualties were reanimated thanks to the nanites, becoming essentially zombies. One year later, the remaining living population of the planet was in the service of the surviving spawn of the Red Ruler practicing cannibalism as a result of the complete famine caused by the removal of all plant matter. Approximately five years after the apocalypse, the last Terranu on the surface of the planet died, and at this point almost all life entirely on the planet was dead. The remaining life was predominantly highly anomalous. The rest of the anomalous phenomena not mentioned earlier are either neutralized or destroyed thanks to the various effects of the apocalypse. A limited number of them have been recovered, but the majority remain on the planet and are not expected to require containment in any capacity. 
The most notable of these was a now extinct form of plant that formerly possessed sapience and psionic abilities. When consumed by a Terran Yu, it enhanced the psionic capacity of the consumer. The plant was widely recognized among the society as another intelligent life form, and was integrated into the society, but was completely killed off along with the rest of the plant matter. That all brings us to the original exploration log of the Foundation discovering all this. Orbital imaging of the planet showed that it had experienced multiple K-class scenarios, but they couldn't get a good view of the surface, so they sent down a task force of five individuals to check it out, with an AI running their ship and managing things. The team heads down in a pod, and are equipped with eight hours of oxygen. The pod lands and the doors open onto a heavily ruined cityscape, noted as being advanced but near totally destroyed. They begin walking down the street, taking pictures along the way, and there seems to be no signs of any inhabitants. Since the signals they were receiving from here stopped in the early 90s, and it's 15 light years away, they guess that it's been about 60 years since the disaster. One of them remarks that even if there were survivors from the initial fallout, they wouldn't have made it to today, as this is an angry planet with storms the size of continents. The AI had predicted that the weather should at least be clear for the few hours they're here, so they continue on. Eventually they come across a sign that one of the team recognizes as being written in Ortothan. The Ortothans are a universal religion that support a guardian deity named Rakmu Luzin in his battle against the Voratut, hostile entities from outside this universe. The Ortothans are represented on Earth through the organization the Church of the Second Hytoth, and I have my own video on them if you're interested in learning more. The Ortothans here seem to follow similar tenets, but appear to be a slightly different sect. They enter into the ruined building, finding several large murals depicting scenes from Ortothan mythology, such as the creation of the second Hytoth, the death of several of the Korotusa, and the Vorotut. The murals are in surprisingly good condition considering the situation, and in the back a team member finds several books written in Ortothan. They place them in cases to be grabbed by a drone, and continue on proceeding until they find a large mass of Terran Yu bodies, which are assembled in a large pile. While looking over the massive pile of corpses, the bodies begin to twitch and move, with most of them incapable of standing. The entities begin to move towards the team, and one of them mentions that they were informed that there were zombies here. The AI chimes in to say that they aren't exactly zombies, but highly similar, with no higher mental functions and violent cannibalistic tendencies. The team opens fire onto the zombies, swiftly dispatching any of them that pose a threat before firing an explosive round into the mass of corpses. They remark on it being kind of pathetic that this is all that's left of the Terran Yu, and they continue moving turning a corner and seeing a large, vaguely reptilian creature. It's four-legged, with a skeletal head, 
and bears similarity to SCP-1124, which itself bears similarities to SCP-682, the hard-to-destroy reptile. The creature sniffs the air before moving towards the team, who immediately scramble into a nearby skyscraper and up the stairs. They emerge on the fifth floor and cautiously go to the windows to look outside, seeing the creature walking around outside before laying down in front of the building. Since they only have three hours of oxygen left, it seems their exploration is going to be cut short. The AI sends a lander down to pick them up on the roof of the building, and the team explores the rest of the skyscraper on their way up. They collect several documents and notes until they look out one of the windows and see something on the horizon. In the distance is a vaguely humanoid figure, with large branching horns resembling tree branches. The horns on one side of its head have been damaged and broken off, and it's estimated to be 500 meters tall. This is one of the spawn of the Red Ruler, the one that survived. It seems to be moving towards the city, so they decide to evac before it gets here. The team's conclusion is that there's nothing here but cockroaches, even if they are zombie cockroaches. Despite there not being much going on on the surface, the team continued to do several more explorations of the planet, until they found out the location of a potential unbreached Tihonum bunker. They were sent back down to find the bunker, breach it, and recover what information they could from inside. The bunker was located in the side of a mountain, and their AI quickly set to work cracking open the door lock, remarking that the cryptography here is not advanced. A storm starts to pick up speed while they wait, and they rush inside as soon as the doors are open, entering into an airlock. The group is sprayed with an unknown liquid likely a disinfectant, and then washed off. One of the team attempts to communicate with the bunker's computer system by speaking in Ortothan, to which the AI responds that it believes them to be Terranu and allows them access to the bunker. It seems that whoever programmed the AI didn't realize that Ortothan was an extraterrestrial language, rather interpreting that anyone who speaks it here must be native, with clearance to access the bunker. The airlock doors open, and the team enters into the main bunker, as lights flick on, revealing a large, central computer terminal. The AI welcomes them to Bunker 00003, primary Tihonum installation, safeguarding the future of the Terranu, and states its name as Srungsiu. They ask Srungsiu what the purpose of this installation is, to which it responds that this is a secondary defense against the end of the world, designed to allow Terranu society to continue following the reestablishment of global order, in coordination with a series of nine other bunkers. They then ask how many of the other bunkers are online, but unfortunately this is the only one that remains. Further questions reveal that this is meant to simply hold a number of people in safety until the time comes to repopulate the world. Functional systems here include the power system, the lights, various defenses, computer systems, the AI itself, communications, and 
suspended animation systems. Asking for footage of the suspended animation complex, they see a number of pods containing unconscious Terran youth, and the AI reveals that there are a total of 100,000 Terran youth here. They are guided towards one of the suspended Terran youth that is capable of speaking Orthothan, while two of the team head back outside to alert their ship AI that there are thousands of living Terran youth here. Their ship doesn't have enough space for a hundred thousand, but they also don't want to leave them here while the planet is breaking apart. For now, they're just going to try to get one of them to communicate, and Strungsiu begins waking one of them up. The chamber holding one unseals, and the Terran Yu within steps out, clutching their head. They have a short conversation with Strungsiu in their native language before turning to the team, asking if they speak Orthothan. The one team member that speaks it says that Korutusa's message traveled far and visited their world as well. The Terranyu introduces themselves as Terangi Sasulpe, the most senior personnel here who speaks Orthothan. He says that they stand on a world called Moara, and it's good to know that the gods have guided them here. The team member reveals, however, that there is only one Orthothan god remaining, Rakmulusan, and the last of the others died 32 years ago from being swarmed by the Vorotut. They then inform him that he's likely been in stasis for 56 years, and the world outside is still utterly ruined. The team outside discusses briefly what to do, and the leader says that The only sane thing to do here is take these people back to Earth. He says that if they need to show up on the Foundation's doorstep with thousands of refugees, then that's what they'll do. When asked about what they'll do if they can't convince the higher-ups, the leader quotes a Latin phrase that makes up their team name, translating to, If I cannot bend the will of heaven, then I will raise hell. He doesn't care if he has to bring the Chaos Insurgency here to do this, these people are coming to Earth. The translator tells Terangi that they're going to take them back to their home, but it will take some time. Terangi responds that Rakmulusen guided them here, and he will rouse the others. The team departs the bunker and makes their way back to their ship beginning preparations to contact the Interstellar Task Force Command, the Ethics Committee, and the O5 Council. Sometime later, the Ethics Committee and the O5 Council got together to discuss what to do with the Terranu. The main problem is that currently, humanity is not aware of the Foundation's capacity for interstellar travel, but instead are confined to Earth's solar system. The Foundation bringing a bunch of aliens back home would quickly reveal that they can travel outside of the solar system, but at the same time, they can't just keep the Terranu inside of the Foundation alone, being a clear case of indentured servitude. Humanity isn't ready for interstellar travel, but there is one option available to them, and that's that anomalous plant that was present on the Terranu planet. Presumably the Tihanum bunker still contained some of this in safe keeping. 
The plant would allow the Terranu pilots, with its psionic properties, to psionically locate Earth and guide Terranu vessels through subspace, arriving at Earth within one month. Apparently, prior to the task force arrival, this would not have been possible for the Terranu because they were not familiar with human neural oscillations. Now that they've been exposed to them, however, they can use the plants to psionically locate the largest source of human neural oscillation patterns, which is Earth. A cover story for both humanity and most of the Terranu would be that collected radio broadcasts from Earth allowed for the simulation of human neural oscillations, suggesting that the Foundation was not involved in rescuing the Terranu, and they arrived here on their own. Since the psionic plant can't be used to travel somewhere where there isn't a large presence of familiar sapient life, it's not a big concern for humanity to learn about, so the O5 Council readily accepted this plan. Eight years later, a report is written up about the present state of the Terranu. They are the fourth major sapient species to inhabit the Soul System and the only species not native to the system, following humanity, the now-absent Venusians, and the Martians. Terranu society is now primarily defined around the Diaspora, caused by the destruction of their home planet Moara, and it's not expected that any Terranu will ever return there, nor will any humans ever step foot on the planet. These unique feelings of total loss have led to a distinct but thriving culture. As they started to settle in our solar system, it was common for them to settle in growing or newly founded locations, as much of humanity was settling into different planets in the system. This was primarily evident in the terraforming of Callisto, one of the moons of Jupiter, designed to mimic Moara. It now holds 51% of the remaining Terranu population, with Mars holding 24%. Other Terranu can be found elsewhere in the system, primarily in large groups and communities, and only a few have established permanent residence in locations that are primarily human or Martian. Their culture can be described in broad strokes as having two primary focuses the celebration of destroyed elements of Terranu culture, and efforts to ensure the continued survival of the Terranu species into the future. These have become the primary focus of the Tihonum in the Soul System, and since the majority of the surviving Terranu were directly affiliated with the Tihonum, these goals are common throughout the species. There have been multiple Terranu art movements to commemorate Moara in a variety of forms, the largest of which has been an attempt at terraforming Callisto to mimic Moara. There has also been an increased focus on family among Terranu, resulting in a general tendency towards marriage and child-rearing. It's noted that Terranu reproduction is significantly different from human and that the Terranu have six biological sexes, each capable of reproducing with any of the other five. The majority of Terranu languages have gone extinct, with only one remaining in common usage. 
All living Terran you speak it, and other languages have only survived through recorded media and bilingual Terran you. Ortothan also remains popular among them, although it has been growing in popularity in general in the soul system. Their society currently designates three distinct divisions of Terranu. The survivors, those that perished on Moara, and those born here in the soul system. Of those, those born here are commonly viewed with great hope, as few of the original survivors believed that there would be a future beyond their home planet. Of these newborn, one of the most important is the seven-year-old Terangi Karishma, the first Terranu born in Seoul, named after the Foundation Task Force member that made first contact with their species. The majority of the Terranu immigrants to the Seoul system tend to follow an anomalous religion, with the majority following either the Church of the Second Hytoth or the Church of the Broken God. A smaller majority follow religions similar to the Children of the Scarlet King or Fifthism, and almost all of these follow unique traditions, rather than pre-existing human traditions. Terranu integration into human and Martian society was aided in large part by the Church of the Second Hytoth, the scripture of which was already well accepting of other alien cultures. The prior existence of worship of the Korotuza among the Terranu further aided in this, giving legitimacy to the belief system. The Church of the Second Hytoth also offered large amounts of aid to the refugees shortly after their arrival. The same occurred in a similar capacity with the Church of the Broken God, but polarizing differences between the two species' worship of Mekain prevented full integration, and led to the formation of a fourth major denomination, one distinguished by embracing advanced technology while completely rejecting the practice of augmentation. The Blood Children and Fifth Philosophy religions are similar to the Children of the Scarlet King and Fifthism, and have gained prominence following the destruction of Moara. Of note is that the Blood Children are significantly more peaceful and less violent than the Children of the Scarlet King, and do not share in the same eschatological beliefs. They state that this is because the world has already ended once. The rulers spawn, came into their kingdom, and died on their throne. In summary, the species is generally described as hopeful, and dedicated to the continued survival of their race. This is an interesting article, one that front-loads a lot of doom and gloom before turning the corner and revealing that not everything in the universe is completely awful. It makes you believe at the start that this nightmarish planet is purely just evidence of a horrible apocalypse, and nothing good remains, which is rather par for the course for SCPs. Instead, you discover that there are some of these people left, and the Foundation actually does the right thing in rescuing them. The Ad Astra per Aspera canon isn't inherently optimistic as there's plenty of doom and gloom to be had beyond the solar system, but the Foundation knows better than most how bad anomalous disasters can be. 
There's no need to leave a species to genocide when something can be done about it.